we've got to be really thinking about what we are doing with our actions and our attitudes and our ministries and our programs, uh, the people groups that we are just um, maybe blindly uh, missing and not engaging in those outreach types of things. Hi, everyone. Welcome to When Women Preach. This podcast exists to empower AAPI and Latino women faith leaders. We want to let you know that there is a new announcement section at the end of the episode. If you want to know more about what's happening at Isaac, then please stay tuned till the end. Our guest today on the show is Reverend Suji Alvarez. Our episode is going to focus on the intersection of faith and justice. Suji is the lead pastor of the Avenue Church, a multi-ethnic free Methodist church in Riverside, California. She's also the program coordinator for How to Feel Your Passion, an online program designed to equip Asian American and Latina women faith leaders. She's a participant of the OC Pastoral Lab cohort, which is a communal learning space for Asian American women faith leaders. And she's the conference director uh, for Wesleyan Holiness Women Clergy. And she's been ordained with the Free Methodist Church since 2011. She's been a national speaker and a strong advocate for women in ministry, gender equality, diversity, justice, and the AAPI community. So welcome, Suji. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Joe. Great to be here with you. Thank you. Why don't we start off, if you can just describe your background for us and your current context of how you became the lead pastor at the Avenue Church. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so um, I'm actually Korean-Canadian. I was born in Pusan, South Korea, uh, to Buddhist parents. And uh, we immigrated to Vancouver, Canada when I was three years old. We had some Korean friends who were Christian and they kept inviting us to church. So I was actually 10 when my parents got radically saved and our family started attending church weekly. Um, I gave my life to Christ when I was 15 um, at a youth retreat. And then at 18, I moved to Seattle, Washington to go to Bible college and to pursue ministry. Um, I met my husband, Joe, while I was there at a church in Seattle. And we were both on staff and we fell in love and got married. And I'm <laughs> Korean Canadian and my husband is Mexican American. So we make a spicy combo together. <laughs> um, we have two kids. Our son, Joaquin, will be 15 in August. And our daughter, Nayara, just turned 13. We also just adopted a puppy named Oso about a month He's ago. So He's so cute. He is so cute and he's, you know, the house has been full of love and fun and dog hair and puppy pee all over the place. So it's all mis mixed in, but it's super exciting. Um, so about six years ago, uh, I moved here to Southern California from Washington State um, to help pastor a church here in Riverside, which is a 115-year-old free Methodist church. Um, mm. And the journey to get there it was a long journey. It was not like, boom, I got out of Bible college and um, I was appointed at the church. And so there's a lot uh, to that journey that I'm excited to share just some of the stories um, about a little later. But yeah, we pastor a church in Riverside, uh, first built in 1907. And up until about six years ago, this church was always pastored by primarily white, a white male pastor. So imagine when I showed up, um, a woman pastor, an Asian American at that time right. and my husband being uh, Mexican-American. Uh, the city mm -hmm. of Riverside has a large Hispanic population. So we started integrating some Spanish into our worship services and really being intentional 
about reaching out to our community. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the short answer to um, how I got here to Southern California, all the way from South Korea to Canada and, and now down here. You mentioned that you were an Asian American woman pastor who showed up at this church that's been around for quite some time. You know, so what are some of the specific challenges you feel like you faced due to your unique background of being an Asian American woman lead pastor? Yeah, I want to go into all of those challenges, but I want to plug this book because I am really thankful for this book. I wish that I had had a book like this many years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is a biblical study guide uh, for equal pulpits. And there will be a link in the bio if you'd like to um, check it out, check it out. It's a great book that's made for churches that want to transform from a patriarchal culture to a culture of gender equality in the pulpit. And it helps take a biblical lens of the Bible and break it down into ways that you can actually use it um, in the church. And so I, you know, I'm excited about what that book is going to help uh, provide other people with. And um, for me, as, a, as an Asian American woman, um, pastoring during the pandemic, you know, it has been a long, bumpy road filled with ups and downs. And, you know, I never decided that I was going to be the pastor of a church. I was just being obedient to God's call on my life, which was to serve him, to serve the church, to preach the good news of the gospel and to help others fall more deeply in love with Jesus. And I faced a lot of challenges as a woman in ministry. Um, The Free Methodist Church, uh, along with other churches in the Wesleyan tribe, we believe in the equality of men and women and in ordaining both men and women who are called uh, to be ministers. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, everybody that uh, grew up in a Free Methodist Church uh, understands that type of value or theology. So it can be really hard Mm -hmm. being a woman pastor when you are being challenged by other Christians or other people within your own church or community who are just convinced that you are disobeying the word of God by preaching the good news of the gospel. So you have a gender issue. And then on Mm -hmm. top of that, you have that I'm Asian American during uh, the pandemic of COVID-19. And I've Mm -hmm. had to literally remind myself to uh, be Micah 6-8, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly, um, even when I feel like the hate and discrimination and racism in the world um, has been surrounding me and just hitting me personally. Um, You know, the Mm -hmm. attacks feel very personal when you're scared for your own elderly Korean mother. Uh, while she's walking out on the street or praying for your kids who are of Asian descent. Um, and just the attacks of the past uh, couple of years, especially at the spas in Atlanta, you know, it's been really incredibly disheartening for me, mostly to see all of those, uh, not all of those, but some of those attacks coming from Christians. Um, mm-hmm. And just remembering, you know, for me, remembering hate in any form is not the gospel. And so it's Mm -hmm. been an interesting time to be Asian American in a country, um, you know, that that developed the term the China virus in response to the coronavirus uh, Mm -hmm. and understanding that there's still a lot of xenophobia, bigotry, um, you know, the attacks against Asian Americans have continued to escalate. And so for us as a church and for me as a pastor to continue to call the church to wake up. And to really mm-hmm. understand uh, the evil and devastation that the enemy is causing and how we've got to continue to be that light and to be that hope to provide relief to all people groups uh, looking for hope. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, what, just out of curiosity, what's the makeup of your church community? 
Our community is the church. In terms of ethnicity, we still have primarily um, Anglo, and then we've got Hispanic, and then we've got other. So African-American, Asian-American, and other. Um, In terms of the community of Riverside, it's actually very similar now. Um, But when we, when my husband and I arrived here about six years ago, uh, the makeup of the church didn't match the demographic of the community. And we really believe that churches should represent their community in order to reach all people with the whole gospel. I think you touched on something very uh, personal and common as, you know, as Asian American women faith leaders, especially during this time of COVID and the pandemic and everything that was happening with Stop API Hate Movement. Um, yeah. It was more pressing because we were trying to lead our people and church and be present. And then at the same time, we were dealing with something that was quite personal um, and hitting us on all fronts. So, yeah, thank you for for sharing that and for naming that. Um, yeah. What were some of the ways that you were able to do both at the same time? And, yeah. you know, it's not that you're confined to just two of those roles. You're doing many things and you're also mother, wife and daughter. But how did you get through that period of time? Uh, yeah, I think one of the things we really tried to do was pastor the people that we had um, in front of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, we had to be incredibly intentional about reaching out to our community. And so that did mean that we started posting signs and banners in both languages, uh, English and Spanish, um, using language that is inclusive of all people groups, of both genders, um, you know, utilizing Spanish in our worship service, um, integrating it with some of the prayers or scriptures or slides or worship songs. And we've also been really intentional about training our leaders and our board and ministry uh, members to really address issues around race and justice and advocacy, uh, because mm-hmm. we really want um, the core of our church to understand how that's tied in with the gospel and how it's not a separate uh, thing. And so as a mm-hmm. church, we really strive to reach people in the margins and to bring reconciliation to our community. And reconciliation is hard work, but the gospel is all about reconciliation, both back to God and back to each other and people groups being reconciled back to each other. Um, and you mm-hmm. just, you can't love God and hate your sister or brother who is a different color or ethnicity from you. So we continue to preach a gospel that testifies to the fact that Jesus was the one that justified our sins on the cross for all people, all races, all ethnicities, any status, any social class. Uh, he ministered to all people groups without distinction. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the um, pictures that I love that comes out of the book of Revelation is this vision of an equitable and diverse kingdom. And this is the picture of the completion of God's covenant with God's people to make us one body from many nations. And we believe that as a church, we're not called to passively hope that this kingdom will come to pass. Rather, as Christians, we believe that we are called to actively co-labor with God to help build this equitable and diverse kingdom. So we really work hard on being kingdom people that are marked by justice and holiness. How was the response from the church when you first started this? I remember uh, in one of our conversations, you had mentioned, and you mentioned it here, about incorporating uh, the songs in a different language 
to reach your community more. Yeah. Thinking, I'm guessing that the church was on a specific trajectory or in a specific space. And then you opened the doors as a lead pastor to be more community minded and oriented. So how was yeah. that a journey for the people as you were pastoring them towards that? Yeah, you know, it was a very mixed response. And to be honest, it can be very painful for um, the dominant culture that feels like they are losing something of, of their culture and their tradition. Um, and so I try to remember that, that uh, it's not always about racism or about politics or about immigration, <laughs> that it is a, a people group that um, values this DNA that they've cultivated for uh, generations. And so for mm-hmm. them to lose that, you know, there's a grieving and a loss and there's a mourning. So really learning how to be compassionate and how to, um, you know, pastor um, the people that that God has um, placed in front of us. But at the same time, uh, really teaching how the Bible and how God's heart uh, really responds to, to the people that are right around the community um, and just looking at how uh, we, I think a lot of times as churches, we get into this kind of marketing mindset where we decide who are the people we are going to reach. Mm. And when you choose to do that, you choose to selectively filter out, uh, certain people groups that never get to hear, uh, the good news of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so we really, you know, for us as a church, we want to make sure that we are reaching the people in the margins. We are reaching the people right around our community. And whatever that that is, we want to be intentional about doing that, right? If you want to catch a certain type of fish, you've got to go ahead and go fishing in the right spot and put out uh, the right bait uh, to catch those fish. And when when Jesus calls us to be fishers of men and women, uh, we've got to be really thinking about what we are doing with our actions and our attitudes and our ministries and our programs um, and who we're really reaching and who are uh, the people groups that we are just um, maybe blindly uh, missing and not engaging in those outreach types of things. I think you touched on something uh, really important, you know, that grieving process. I think sometimes when it comes to the integration of faith and justice, what I've seen in some in some church spaces is there's that lone voice or that feeling no. of going, we're, we need to do more, right? Or we need to, it it almost feels like a fighting spirit because they're so passionate about integrating faith and justice together and not being able to see it in their, in their church. It can be frustrating. Um, as you were sharing about empathizing with those who are feeling that loss and leading Uh us through that process to on a new road of integrating your community members. Now that uh, you've been there for how many years? 15 years? Six years. It feels like 15, but only six. (laughs) Six years, six years. The the church Uh, has been here for 115 years, but I haven't. Well, now that you've been there for six years, what was it like from the start of your journey Mm -hmm. when you were first the lead pastor? And then now that you've sort of laid down your roots there a little bit more, and what are some of the fruit that has come out of Mm. it? Yeah, great question. I think, um, you know, earlier you had asked me about the makeup of our church and some of the fruit is seeing more representation and seeing more mm-hmm. families that are part of the community that are also worshiping with us and that are serving now and that are becoming a part um, of our leadership team um, and just continuing to see that 
uh, God is the one um, bringing that harvest. And we're really thankful that we've seen that. It's been a hard season for churches as well as for a lot of businesses and other organizations during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> but, but we really believe that God has positioned uh, this church specifically um, in this season to really help make an impact in divided times, right? Because we live in such a divided time. And even in the neighborhood where we're at, we're actually surrounded by Baptist churches, by non-denominational churches, uh, primarily the churches that are pastored um, by men. So uh, as a free Methodist church, we really stick out, but we resonate with a large group of the community um, who are excited to see somebody, um, you know, serving in ministry that looks like them and that mm -hmm. uh, feels like somebody that they can go to. Um, and so that's been super exciting to just be able to make those connections happening. And then again, just to, uh, for, for our church to really understand that discipleship is more than just, you know, us and God. It really has to be both deep and wide. So we've gone wider, uh, in, in the season in the last six years. And that's just been, um, just a huge praise and just continuing to see the ways that People are understanding the felt needs of the community, whether it's a spiritual need, whether it's a, a physical need, whether it means um, serving people that are that need food, serving people that need support through recovery and addiction, serving people that, um, you know, need uh, a whole bunch of other uh, physical kind of felt needs and tie all of that in with their spirituality so that people understand, you know, who God is and how he provides and how he desires to meet um, every one of their needs. And so that's been really exciting to do. We do live in an area that is very impoverished. It is one of the areas in Riverside that has the most, um, you know, families that are just in need of extra support. It, in this time, I think we've been able to meet that need. And so that's one of the fruit that we're really, you know, glad and, and just honored to be able to do. What you said about your church's role within this time is important because I think a lot of the times it could feel like this massive thing for like, yeah. where do we fit within this whole like, idea of justice? But yes. you are focusing on something very specific, which is your church's role in your community and how you are reaching those who are right in front of you. I think you said that a couple of times. Yeah, we just, you know, it's interesting. So six years ago, uh, my husband and I started by co-pastoring this church together. And it was in January of 2020 that I moved into the role of the lead pastor. And shortly after that was when the pandemic broke, right? In March mm. of 2020. Um, and I don't know if people realize this, but, um, you know, I'll, there were communities of Asian Americans who were deeply hurt and offended when mm. uh, pastors or faith leaders started using that word China virus. And for the first time, right. there were parishioners that were sitting and worshiping in churches for the first time wondering, huh, is this the kind of church that I want my family and my kids to uh, be mm -hmm. raised in? And it was mm -hmm. almost like for the first time, people were looking around. And figuring out, are there other churches that value, um, you know, diversity and inclusion? And are there any churches that have Asian American pastors? Mm -hmm. And it was like, hey, well, here we are in Riverside, just kind of randomly right smack dab here on the corner of California and Adams. And just kind mm -hmm. of thinking through uh, the timing of it all, I thought it was just really an interesting time to just be uh, a lead Asian American woman pastor 
um, in this, mm-hmm. this season of our history. How has that response been from your people now that you have multiple uh, ethnicities within your community? How do they respond, I guess, to each other? Is it more, do yeah. you see that it's more communal now or is, is there still that sense of loss a little bit? I think it's still a little both, but I would say in the season, it is definitely more communal. We um, are definitely, I think some of our older uh, church members that have been a part of the church for a long time still feel that loss. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some of the people that, you know, they went to church with for years, uh, they are no longer here, whether that's because they moved away or they are worshiping somewhere else or for some of them who were elderly. Um, they've passed since then. So there's mm-hmm. so much loss all the way around. Um, but at the same time, uh, God has been uh, bringing us uh, new people, new families, um, young adults, and there's just new fruit and a new spirit and a new movement uh, that is happening. And so that is exciting for the people that are looking through that uh, kingdom lens of what is happening um, and mm-hmm. understanding that regardless of who walks through the door on Sunday morning, you know, that is our, um, you know, that is our sister and our brother in Christ. And so we have built a deeper connection with our people and with families and with the community. And that's been super exciting. Thank you for giving us a snippet of your church and what a multi-ethnic church can look like to lead a church into community, um, community mindedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are so welcome. I did want to quickly plug, uh, give a shout out yes. to um, uh, Advanced Advocates for Women in Leadership. This is a new group um, that I'm, I'm a part of because I'm passionate about encouraging and equipping other women in ministry. It's actually mm. a part of um, a group within the Free Methodist Church uh, work uh, dedicated to providing a connection space for women that have been harmed by sexism within the Free Methodist Church. Uh, helping mm. facilitate women's healing and empowerment, offering resources for those that are on a journey of repentance and change regarding bias and continuing to provide um, opportunities for growth. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that um, steering committee. And lastly, um, I, I've been a part of this organization called Wesley and Holiness Women Clergy for the past several years. I actually started attending back in 2006. That was my very mm-hmm. first Wesley and Holiness Women Clergy Conference. And we host a biannual conference for women clergy and male advocates. So it's every 20, every 20 years, every two years, <laughs> every two years. And we just had our last conference this past March. And we had a little over 600 women and men um, attend this event. And I'm super excited to be the conference director for the next conference scheduled for spring of 2024. And I want to invite all women from all faith backgrounds. It's cross-denominational to come and attend and experience this amazing gathering of women pastors and ministry um, and to continue to help uh, create this culture of equality and advancement of women in ministry. I love it. Yeah. I think this is a great segue into a couple of other announcements that are happening at Isaac. We officially launched the first Asian American congregational leadership practice survey. So if you are in a position of leadership in the English ministry congregation or an English ministry church, and you can respond to questions regarding the status and conditions of your congregation, please take the survey. 
You can take it yourself and you can invite others, any other pastor, Asian American pastors who fit that category that I just read. It's going to shape the future of the Asian American church. We hope it will. So please take it. It'll only take 15 minutes. Um, the final one is our previous podcast episode featured the book of Biblical Study Guide for Equal Pulpits. Sushi also gave a plug for that earlier in the episode. The book is out. If you want to purchase your own, you can click on the link below. If you want to find out a little bit more about it, there's a podcast episode that was released, episode seven, um, just a few weeks ago with two of the authors and they're brilliant woman scholars. Take a listen to that episode and get a taste of what you'll be getting from the book. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our episode. Thank you, Suji, for joining Thank us. Thank you. Bye, everyone. If you'd like to support Isaac in producing this podcast or our overall mission of supporting AAPI and Latina Woman Ministers, you can donate to Isaac at IsaacWeb.org.